Yeah, and Jesus, as we are expectant that there is more of you, we hold our hands and our hearts and our whole lives open. Thank you that you are more than enough. Receive your presence among us. And I bless my brother Tiva. I bless his life. I bless the message that he lives. And I bless the words that he will proclaim to us today. Thank you that he lives the word that he says to me more often than any other glory. <laughs> so we pray that the glory of your presence would be known among us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Well, good morning, Creation Fest. Come on. Man, I just want to say right at the, at the start, we are, we are so blessed. This isn't, this isn't normal to have a, a conference or a, a festival, sorry, like this, which is free, which does what Creation Fest does in the gathering and the building and the equipping and the energizing of the church from all over. And uh, especially as someone who lives in, in Cornwall, I just feel like I really want to honor um, the whole team, the Creation Fest team, Calvary Chapel. In fact, could we stand up? Could we just stand up and just keep clapping? Keep clapping. Calvary Chapel, Sari Yardley, Brian, the whole team, all the volunteers. This is amazing. And as, and as a father of three who has young children who get impacted by this, this festival, this is huge, you know? Come on. We thank you. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful. I don't know where Sarah is, but I'm thankful that Sarah has been called to Cornwall. Anyone else happy about that? Hallelujah. Well, my name's Tiva, and um, I'm, a, I'm a lover of Jesus. <laughs> That's what I am before I am anything. I'm a son. I'm a child of God. I'm also a, a leader of a local church here called the Engine House. We uh, meet in... Yeah, we've got two Engine House people here. Great. We're, but we, we, we're from Red Roof. That's where, that's where we are. And uh, I get the privilege of leading that church alongside my wonderful wife for 13 years and uh, my three wonderful children. Uh, in fact, we've got a picture. Could we just put that up there? Just want to show you my family. It's my wife, Sarah, my boy, Elijah. Just won a rap battle yesterday in the, in the, to- in the, in the tent. We've got uh, little Eliana. She's white, but she's mine, honestly. Just, Sarah's got a stronger gene going on. Jedediah, he has got eyes. He's just really happy there because he's eaten. He's, he's a beast. Don't leave him around your food. He's serious. But um, yeah, that's my wonderful family, and I show you them because that's who I'm on the journey with. But I also recently heard a preacher say that statistics tell us you're far more likely to listen to me when you see pictures of my family. So I thought I'd, you know, help the Holy Spirit. No, I'm joking. I need help, Holy Spirit. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get into the Word of God. Who's been loving Ephesians? If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians four. We're going to be reading verses 17 to 32. And before we do, I just want to say right off the start, you know, if we're going to live extraordinary lives for Jesus, which who wants to live an extraordinary life for Jesus? 
We need to fall in love with this extraordinary book. We need, to, we, need to, we need to feast on this book on a daily basis. This book needs to be our, our, our source of, of direction and revelation. And, you know, this book is no normal book. This book has the very mind of God and the very words of God. This book is alive. It has a pulse. This book will chase you down. This book will grab you by the scruff of the neck. This book will whisper to you. This book will slay you. This book will sing over you. This book is alive. It's active. It's living. And the best thing for some of you are going to take from this message is open this book on a daily basis with an open heart to God, and I guarantee you, you will be okay. Seriously, if you hear nothing else in this teach, that, that, that's a good word for you. You know, we've had some wonderful, wonderful teaching from Ephes- the first half of Ephesians, really. You know, wasn't Michael's word amazing? Really good. But we've had Carl and, uh, and Sarah and Brian and Dominic preach out of the first half of Ephesians, which is mainly really about our relationship with, with God in Christ Jesus. It's about the doctrine of salvation. Salvation works in us. The second half, which Michael kind of just kicked us off on, is mainly about our relationship with others in Christ Jesus, the body of Christ, but also that salvation working out through us. And so the first half is salvation works in us. The second half focuses on salvation works out from us. The first half focuses on what we're saved by, which is the glorious grace of Jesus Christ and forgiveness of sins. The second half focuses on what we are saved for, which is holiness, to be set apart for the Lord. You know, Ephesians 2.9 tells us that we, 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 it's our, good, our good works can't save us. We can't earn it. We can't strive for it. We're not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that, those good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. So much of this second half of this letter is focusing on those good works that we are called to do. And you know, good works in the Christian life isn't just, you know, helping the homeless and, and feeding the poor and, and evangelizing the world and, and, and prophesying life and healing the sick and raising the dead and crusades, camps, conferences, all of that stuff which, which I love to do and we, we love to do and we should be involved in. Well, I haven't raised anyone from the dead yet, but believing for that. I, just, I feel we need to see more of that stuff in the UK personally. I just think we might need to just pray for some more dead people with faith, in faith. But a lot of these good works actually are far closer to home. You see, we as Christians, we want to live extraordinary lives for Jesus, and we want to do extraordinary things for him, and we can get very passionate about about social action and, and, and injustices we see in, in the world around us. And, and we need to do that, but we, we, we don't just want to get excited and passionate about these distant causes and neglect the stuff that is far closer to home, like our, 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 our speech and our temper and, our, and, and, and our, our, our eating habits and our drinking habits and our sexual habits. And that's what much of this second half of the letter actually focuses on. 
So it's so important we read this letter together. Salvation works in us and salvation works through us. Because a gospel that does not demonstrate both of those is no real gospel at all. And I'm so excited that so many people have given their lives to the Lord so far at Creation Fest. Like, I don't know how many there is, but it's like must be over 100 people. If you're going to praise Jesus, why don't you do it properly? That's salvation. But we all know that salvation and the gospel isn't just praying a prayer that gets us to heaven The gospel is absolute, complete transformation into Christ-likeness. In fact, we are predestined to be conformed into the image of God's Son. In fact, we are literally clothed in Jesus Christ himself, Romans 13 tells us. And so with that in mind, we're going to read this portion of Scripture. Turn to someone and say, are you dressing for heaven? Because that is the title of this message. Hebrews 4, Ephesians 4.17 says this. So I tell you this and I insist on it in the Lord. That you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitudes of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood, And speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs but it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Father, we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you would release the spirit of wisdom and of revelation that you would flood our hearts with light, that, Lord, every person in this place, man, woman, young and old, would have a fresh revelation of who you are. Lord, we thank you for the finished work of the cross. We thank you for the power of the resurrection that lives inside of each and every one of us who have come by the way of the cross. And we pray that your resurrection power would manifest in our midst this morning, that, Lord, you would back up your word with signs and wonders, Lord, that you would show yourself strong in this place. Lord, we take authority over anything that would oppose the people of God in this place. And we say in the name of Jesus, have your way. Your name is the highest authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. 
You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And at the name of Jesus, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. And all God's people said, Amen. So I broke my, ch- my chunk of scripture down into, into two portions. And I, I labeled the first portion, and this is focusing on verse 17 to 21, the root of the problem. And the root of the problem, Paul highlights in this, in this first five verses of the letter, is a hard heart. And Creation Fest, this portion of scripture, and in fact, many of the issues of life boil down to this, the stuff that we see around us on a regular basis, the, the futility of thinking, the, the darkness, the, the apathy, the, the, the unbelief, all of that stuff that we see is actually boiling down to hearts that have become hardened towards God. And if we're going to tackle the things that are in this letter that, that, that Paul goes on to deal with, like our speech and our our sexuality and, and our anger and our money, we, we, we have to deal with the root of the issue first. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 19, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony. These are what defile a person. The sensuality of society, the the, the futility, the darkness, the, the unbelief, the greed, all of this flows from hearts that have been hardened towards God. Now, this applies to, yes, the non-believers. Paul references at the start and says the, the Gentiles and he's referencing non-believers. But I actually also believe this applies to the church, this issue with the hardness of hearts. I believe it affects us all, and I actually believe it disempowers us as the church from living extraordinary everyday lives for Jesus, and this is what the Holy Spirit has impressed on my heart, because I believe this morning I'm speaking mainly to the church. Hardness of heart is, yes, rebellion against God, and and all the things that flow from that, and all the things that this passage highlights, but hardness of heart towards the things of God is more than rebellion towards God. Hardness of heart is actually also becoming more familiar with this natural, finite world that we live in, that we can see, smell, taste, and touch, than the supernatural, heavenly realm in which we are positioned in Christ Jesus. That heavenly realm that Ephesians 2.26 talks about. Brian actually brought a wonderful word and talked about our our positioning in Christ. And that's the place that we as believers are meant to do and flow life from. Extraordinary everyday living with Jesus, I believe, should expect extraordinary encounters. And a hard heart will hinder that. And I'm concerned that I believe, I see much of that in the church. I see much of that in myself. You know, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, highlights this really well. And I haven't got time to read it just because of time, but I'll summarize it real quick. It's when Jesus feeds 5,000 people supernaturally by simply giving thanks for the five loaves and the two fishes. And um, I believe actually that's a word for someone here who's pressing in for a breakthrough in, 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 in finances and provision. I believe it's specifically in the area of a house. And uh, I feel like the Lord would just say to you, you know, turn your asking into thanking and watch the breakthrough come. 
And so if that's you, I just want to release that over you in the name of Jesus. And so he, rep- he multiplies the, the bread and the, 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 the fishes, and then it gets distributed amongst the people. And then he sends his disciples across the lake to a place called Bethsaida, and he goes up the mountain to pray to the Father. He obviously gets a download in this time of prayer and decides to then take a shortcut across the lake by walking on water, as you do, and then walks alongside the disciples. They see him, think he's a ghost, freak out. They, he tells them to chill out, and then he gets into the boat with them. And, and verse 51 of Mark 6 says this, Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Listen, for their hearts were hardened. They were amazed because their hearts were hardened. In other words, did you not just see what Jesus did with the loaves and the fishes? Why then are you amazed? The fact that they were amazed, the Bible calls this hardness of heart. And there's plenty more other examples in the Gospels that it does this. And I believe one of the ways we are called to live extraordinary everyday lives is by expecting, and not just expecting, but demonstrating the supernatural, wonder-working, powerful God to show up in extraordinary ways. And a hardness of heart will hinder that. And I actually believe right now in this moment, the Lord wants to demonstrate his love, his kindness, his supernatural resurrection power upon the church. And so I believe he wants to heal a few bodies. And so if if you hear me call out a condition that you are going through right now, we're going to believe and I'm going to believe in faith that God is going to start touching bodies in this place. And so the first thing I want to call out is, I believe there's someone in here, specifically a woman, but if you're a man and you've got this, please do stand up. But it's a right shoulder issue. And I heard rotator cuff issue. And you get neck pains as a result, shooting pains that go up to your neck. It might be your right shoulder. It might be your left. If that's you, I want you to stand up. Thank you, sir. If there's anyone else. Okay, yeah. I also heard that there's people in this place who have got irritated breathing, a respiratory system issue. Uh, Specifically, someone in here who, who, who had a virus of some kind and their breathing has never been the same. I think it was bronchitis. And since then, your breathing has never been the same and now you've got issues in your breathing. If that's you, I want you to stand up. I also heard osteoarthritis, acute osteoarthritis. I didn't even know what that was. I had to Google it. I just heard it in prayer and it's basically a tendon that gets very stiff around your ligaments and and it causes all sorts of pain and inflammation. And you might not even know you have it. You might just have bad arthritis, but it could be acute osteoarthritis. If that's you, I want you to stand up as well. Okay, church, we all get to be involved in this. This isn't the guy at the front that's just doing this. Hey, does anyone believe that the same spirit of power that raised Christ from the grave lives inside of them? So why don't you just reach out a hand towards these people that are standing up. And right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, we take authority over every sickness that is, that is represented through these brothers and sisters of ours who have stood up. 
We thank you for the finished work of the cross. We thank you that by your blood, your undefiled, precious blood, we can walk in the power and the healing that is available for us in this moment right now. So I speak to respiratory systems and I command them in the name of Jesus to come into line, into sovereign order. I speak to bones and ligaments and tissues that have got issues with with arthritis and I command them in Jesus' name to be well. Lord, we we speak to people who have got issues with breathing and lungs. We, We command in the name of Jesus, breath of God to go through bodies right now. And we say, breathe, breathe normally, naturally. We call these bodies into sovereign order in the name of Jesus. In fact, I believe there's people who have not had issues that I've called out who are sitting down, but right now the Holy Spirit is just touching you. If that's you, I want you just to stand up. If if you just feel something going on in your body and you've got a sickness or an illness, I just want you to stand up in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We just pray for more, increase what you're doing. We thank you, Jesus, the healer. We thank you for your power. Thank you, it's your power at work flowing through us. Lord, we say more, increase your presence, increase your glory in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Right, real quick right now, because I want to carry on teaching, but just stay, stay standing. I want, if, for some of you, you're not, able, you're not going to be able to measure this because there's stuff going on, but some of you may be able to measure this. I want you just to see if you can do anything that you couldn't do before or if the pain has gone and, and, or is a far less than it was before. Maybe get yourself into a position that you couldn't do beforehand and try it out. And if it is better, I want you to wave your hands in the air like you just don't care and shout the name of Jesus. Jesus, come on, come on, that's good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You see, the kingdom of heaven is, it's not just talk, but it is power. And this is available for us on every day. It's available for us. I just want to just encourage you guys. I just feel like the ones that stand, if nothing's happening or you feel like nothing's happening, I I just want to encourage you just to keep in that place of, of, of faith and belief and expectancy. And if anything, if the people that had their bodies touched and who did get healed, could you just please give testimony to the guys in the green t-shirt? We want to record what God's doing so we can give him all the glory. We just say thank you. Is there anyone else who just experienced God touch their bodies that didn't just testify to it? Just wave your hand at me. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amazing. Bless you, sister. You see, you can sit down now, guys. All of us in this room are hardened towards the supernatural of God to some way, to some degree. Even now, some of you in this room are wondering, did that really happen or was it a coincidence or was that just a a little moment where, you know, they got caught up and we're all hardened towards the supernatural in some way. And this is the epidemic of a hard heart towards, towards God. We become more familiar with the natural realm than the spiritual realm where we are positioned in Christ in heavenly places. And Paul says in verse 20 of this passage, concerning the epidemic of a hard heart, he says, that however is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Now, 
That's not a great translation. Your Bible might say when you heard of Christ and were taught in him, in Christ Jesus. Actually, the Greek puts it in a a far more accurate and, and, and better way. It says when you heard Christ and were taught in him. So what's the escape from a hard heart this morning? It's hearing the voice of Jesus and being taught by him. Paul, in these first five verses, diagnoses the epidemic, the root of the issue, the hard heart, and he gives us the cure. That is hearing Jesus' voice and being taught by him. Jesus is the cure for every person who hears, hears his voice and is taught by him. This is the cure for a hard heart. This is why he says, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Matthew 4, 4. You know, I love hearing about Christ. I love hearing songs about Christ. I love hearing rich teaching about Christ. But I need to hear Christ. I need to hear him for myself. I can't simply rely on anointed teaching. And we get that here in Creation Fest. By the likes of Michael and, and Brian and, and Sarah. I can't, I can't rely on that stuff to navigate me through some of the storms of life. Yes, it can equip me. Yes, it can build me. Yes, it can stir me. But, 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 but I, I, when my, stuff's going on in my marriage or, or, or stuff's going on in, in relationships or there's financial strain or there's huge issues going on, just the stuff of life hits the fan. We don't need to just understand great teaching and the, the, the exposition and composition of, of, Christ, of, of Paul's letters about Christ. We need to hear from Christ. Romans 10:17 says, "Faith comes through hearing the word of Christ." It's that Rhema word. There's two words for the word word in Greek. There's logos and Rhema. And the Rhema word talks about the fresh spoken word of God. It's the same word used in Matthew 4:4 4, 4 when it talks about, "Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every Rhema that comes out of the mouth of God." And we live by faith and not by sight. Amen? And so hearing the word of Christ, according to Paul, is the cure to the root of the issue, which is a hard heart, which both believers and non-believers suffer with. The second section of this passage, and I'm going to be quick with it, verse 22 to 32, I have titled, What Shall We Wear? Turn to someone and say, What Shall We Wear? Paul tells us to put off the old self and to put on the new self. Extraordinary everyday living requires a change of clothes. You know, what shall we wear is actually the meaning of my name. My name's Tiva Lenji. Tiva's actually short for Tiva Lenji. It's a Zambian name and um, it means what shall we wear. And so when Brian was praying about who was going to preach what, in, in this festival, and he gave me this portion of scripture. He, he really heard from the Lord because this passage of scripture literally has my name on it. That's amazing. And I know what you're probably thinking now is, why on earth did your parents call you, what shall we wear? <laughs> my sister actually is, is called, it's called Tio Nenji. She's called, what shall we see? I always thought that was a bit cooler, but I don't actually fully remember why I'm called What Shall We Wear. My mom's here, maybe you could ask her, but maybe it's a prophetic mandate that I would help teach the church about taking off the old and putting on the new, I don't know. 
But for those of us who have heard the voice of Jesus and are being taught by him, like verse 20 says, and have got this new life with him, this eternal Zoe life, this, this wonderful fullness of life, this adventure that we have walking with Jesus, there is a change of clothes that is required. There is a taking off, off of the old and putting on, off, off, putting on the new. And that old is a load of attitudes and thoughts and practices and, and paradigms that we used to walk in before we heard the voice of Jesus calling us out of darkness and into his glorious light. And when Paul says, take off the old and put on the new, what he's actually saying is, we need to act it out. We need to make it visible to the watching world around us. He lists out the new, the new clothes in Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, and so forth. Bind it, love and put on love that binds it all together in perfect harmony. I mean, we haven't got time to go into, into all those items of clothes, but the key, the key verse in your Bibles in this point here is how do we change that set of clothes? How do we take off and how do we put on the new? And the key verse is verse 23 in Ephesians 4, and it says, we need to be made new in the attitude of our minds. It's the renewing of our minds. We need to fill our minds with the truth of God's word, his power, his promises. We need to read it, eat it, sleep it, drink it. We need to meditate on it. We need to declare it. We need to sing it. We need to claim those promises like Sarah talked about. And we need to fix our minds on the realities of who God is and who God says we are in Christ Jesus. Paul says in Colossians 3.2, we need to set our minds on things above, not on worldly things, but on things above where Christ is seated, where we are seated with him. Paul says we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, for what is seen is temporal and what is unseen is eternal. You know, Carl Beach talked about how, how, how career and comfortability and cars and all of that stuff can so easily derail us and distract us from living from that place of being positioned with Christ in those heavenly realms. And our old nature, our old set of clothes, which Paul tells us to take off in this passage, are deceitful desires. They are out to deceive us on a daily basis. And unless we're filling our minds with truth, we are susceptible to the deceit of our old nature. Lies and deceit can only grow in the absence of truth. And so we need to fill our minds with the truth of God's word. My old sinful nature, my old set of clothes, desires to deceive me on a daily basis. In fact, sin itself is deceitful. Hebrews 3.13 tells us that, that, that we must encourage one another on a daily basis so that none of us are hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Sin itself will, will in that moment make you think that you're going to scratch that itch or you're going to meet that need in your heart, that longing in your heart. It will deceive you into a pit. It will deceive you into addiction. It will see you, deceive you into dark places. And my friends, we have enough deep-rooted sin in our old nature to keep us deceived for the rest of our lives. Even if Satan was to drop down dead. Satan isn't the issue in this passage. Our old nature, our, my, my carnality, my flesh, 
my old set of clothes is the issue in my marriage, in my parenting, in my leading, in my relationships. And it's the same with you. Now don't get me wrong, Satan can definitely come and amplify things. And I believe there's, you know, warfare. And we're going to hear teaching from Ephesians 6 about the warfare and our battle not being against flesh and blood. But in this passage, we're dealing with a far closer to home enemy that actually lives inside of us, our old nature. You know, Galatians 5.17 says that we are actually walking conflict zones, that we have a battle going on inside that our old nature and, and the spirit of God who lives inside of us are in constant conflict. Galatians 4, 6, when we gave our lives to Jesus, the spirit of God, this, God sends the spirit of his son into our hearts that we cry, Abba, Father, that we are children of God. And in that moment, he wages war on our old nature, that old set of clothes. And whichever one you feed is going to grow. So let me ask you, what are you filling your minds with? Turn to someone and say, are you dressing for heaven? Let me just quickly, let me just quickly just touch on a few of the the verses that, that Paul highlights. Verse 26, he says, in your anger, do not sin. You know, the verse implies that we are gonna get angry. It's not a sin to be angry. Jesus got angry plenty of times, yet he was without sin. In fact, I believe we probably need to get more angry about some of the things that we see around us on a regular basis. You know, I I got angry when I found out that a traveling medium, well-known medium and spiritualist was going to perform at at the place of my work. I I work at a well-known theater company and a local one and it's kind of the hub of my community and, uh, and, 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 and we have a two-seater Art Deco auditorium, fits about 600 people in and um, she, she, she came and she booked this whole place out and uh, she had loads of people come in, flock to see her, she's well known, I won't say her name on because I know she's going out live and I was angry because I've been sowing seeds of the gospel in my workplace and I've been sharing Jesus and I felt why that's not okay for, for darkness to get paraded on, on a stage and people pay money for it in my place of work. So I thought I'm going to go and be light in the darkness and um, kind of went with a little bit of a prophets of Baal, Elijah showdown mentality, thinking we were going to have it out, you know. I had people praying for me and covering me and, and, and then the first half of the set, the set of the, uh, of the the show, she was operating in power. She was telling people about what they've been doing and, you know, their careers and dead people that passed away. I mean, it was like prophecy, but for darkness. And this place was packed out and people were loving it. And, and all throughout the whole thing, she was like profaning the name of God and mocking Christians and mocking the church. And I was angry. I was like, God, do you want me to pull down fire right now? <laughs> Wasn't really, but I, I, I said, God, what do I do in this situation? And, 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 she, and, and she, she put, she, and you know what, actually, just on a side note, it's concerning that I actually see more power. I saw more supernatural power then than I often see in the church in this place. Anyway, she opened it up to quick questions, Q&A, and um, I knew this was my moment, and I didn't know what I was going to say, and I, I, I kind of waited till the end, and then she was like, I'll take one more question. I put my hand up, and the usher came to me, who was also one of my mates, and he looked at me a bit funny, like, what on earth are you doing here? And, um, 
I, 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 I took the mic and as I took the mic, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, tell her that I love her. And so I, um, I said, hey, I said a name. And I said, I just want to let you know um, I'm a Christian. Went real quiet in the room. Said, um, you know, I love Jesus. Man, you just got to get that powerful name in, don't you? Jesus. And, um, and I said, I just want to let you know that I love you. Jesus loves you. I feel the pleasure, the love of God on your life. He came, he died for you, he rose again. He wants to use what you're doing for his glory. Started just speaking truth over her life. She was visibly rocked and shocked of what just took place, as was the whole room. She, she, she kind of said thanks. And then she went off. And then, do you know what happened? The whole rest of the show, the power had gone. The spirits weren't coming through. The readings weren't happening. You see, at the cross, Jesus put to open shame every power, principality, and authority. You see, at the cross, Jesus declared that he loves us, that love never fails, that love conquers all. But what did I say that for? Because anger actually took, took me there. So verse 26, anger needs to produce righteousness. So if you find yourself getting angry and it's not going to establish and manifest God's righteousness, you're probably operating in your old nature and it's sinful. I'm finishing the band on, which tells me I'm going. Just, just real quick, verse 28, stealing, don't steal. Don't gloss over this and be like, I don't steal, that's okay. Like, no, listen, I got a word for someone in here. The HMRC and God both read your tax return. I'm not even joking. That's just, I'll leave that with you and the Lord. But we can, stealing is because of greed and all of these things are for, because of our hearts being deceitful. But, you know, we can work out of greed as well. Like, we can, we can work to get, that's greed. One's legal, one's illegal, they're both sinful. We should be working to give. This is of the new nature. Give to those in need. Verse 29, unwholesome talk. It's the root of all evil. The heart, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Luke 6, Jesus tells us that. What's coming out of your mouths? Is everything that come out of your mouths building others up? Is it encouraging people? Many of you work amongst many foul-talking, coarse-joking folk. Let me, let me encourage you, don't even get caught up in those conversations, in those coarse jokes. Don't even laugh along with it. I have friends who I work with in my place of work and, and, and they're like, don't even come to me with some of that stuff because I'll just call it out as darkness. And sometimes it's socially awkward, but it's okay. We're salt and light. We're meant to be a bit, bit gritty, aren't we? Blasphemy. I hate blasphemy. I'm angry about blasphemy. The name of Jesus being profaned all the day long and it's just commonplace. It's not okay. The devil hates it when people blaspheme around me because I'll turn it into praise. Seriously, I hear someone say it, whether I know them or not. Jesus Christ is Lord and loves you. Oh my God, is good and his steadfast love endures forever. The amount of times I've turned blasphemy into praise or an invitation for the gospel, it's amazing. Let's be people that the devil don't want people blaspheming around us. And now I'm finished now. What about telling lies? You know, whether you've been evasive with the truth, whether you've been, you know, bending the truth to make yourself look better or whatever. Listen, it's all a result of our sinful, deceitful nature. All of this stuff, it comes from the desires of deceit. 
So we lie and we do all this stuff because we have the wrong desires. And we have the wrong desires because we are actually deceived by what is truly desirable because we haven't had our minds renewed in the Word of God. Transformation comes in the renewing of our minds. You know, Jesus didn't just hang naked on a tree, marred beyond recognition so that we could go to heaven dressed like hell. In fact, Matthew 22 tells us that won't happen anyway. Let me ask you, how are you dressing? Read this scripture, read this passage in your own time. You know, I love this book. I love the letter of Ephesians because it's a beautiful exposition really of how Christian behavior flows from Christian belief. How we, how we know Christ, how our devotion and our duty will flow from that place of how we know him. You know, you and I are like letters being read by everybody, 2 Corinthians tells us. And for some people who won't step foot in a church or pick up this Bible, the only way they're going to study our extraordinary, amazing, incredible God is by studying our extraordinary everyday lives. And so this passage really is all about, are we dressing for heaven? Are we acting out the stuff that we are called to act out and live out on a regular basis to a watching world? You know, my time's pretty much up, but as the worship team bring us into this song, I just still feel there's people.